Hi, and welcome to Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Felt. A cancer diagnosis is one of the hardest slap in the face imaginable. All of a sudden, you have to become an expert in cancer and its treatments because your life depends on it. Oncologists, family and friends are pushing you towards chemo, radiation, surgery, yet you feel there are additional solutions out there. You don't feel confident in that only traditional therapies will take care of it. You may, as I have, seen family or friends quickly go downhill from harsh medical treatments. There is a better way. I invite you to listen to stories from real people fighting cancer successfully through powerful, integrative, and holistic methods. Learn what they did. This is my gift to you to make the learning curve less steep after your diagnosis. The information this podcast could save your life as it has others. Well, Dr. Wendy Trubeau, it, it's such a pleasure to have you on this, this show, Integrative Cancer Solution with Dr. Carlfeld. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. So so tell me, you you have the kind of the five levels of vitality, five you know, so t- tell me a little bit about, you know, cancer patients. I mean, they, they're on their journey. They, they're trying to, there's so much that they're dealing with, you know, stressors, fear of life. I mean, what, what can you, how can we guide them along in that journey? Yeah, I think this is a really good question. And I think what's really important to remember is that this is not an overnight process. This is, this is a process as opposed to uh, turning a switch on or off. So when, in our practice, when we think of cancer, we think of cancer as the the end result of inflammation. So, so you have toxins and stressors and things happening, and they lead to imbalance, and imbalance leads to inflammation, and inflammation it ends up as cancer if it's unchecked. And so what we're looking for, because we deal largely in toxins, is how do we peel off your risk? How do we decrease your inflammation? How do we help your body get back into the balance it wants to be in? Because the body wants to be in balance. It doesn't want to be at the at the state of of chronic illness. So so we really take a big holistic view on how do we bring that down? Is it food? Is it lifestyle? Is it an exposure? And we evaluate. We should probably I should probably tell you everything we do, but but it's uh, mm-hmm. it's really about bringing down ultimately bringing down inflammation so that the body can heal because it wants to. Yeah, yeah, and then and and that's the thing is that the body is is made to heal. It is set up for success. So it's not like the body is is working against us. Uh, it is it is for a reason that cancer is appearing. And so the the inflammation, I mean, that that seems to be kind of a it, it's not a, that inflammation is causing cancer, but inflammation always precedes cancer, and there's always a reason why inflammation is is being triggered. Uh, so. What are some of the things that you are you, you mentioned? You know, food, toxins. I mean, how do we? How do you evaluate an individual? How do a person kind of go about on this journey? Yeah, I would say cancer is the one exception to my rule. My rule is we always start with the foundations of your health: your food, your gut function, your sleep, your stress management, your movement, your relationship with yourself and others. But when people show up with a cancer diagnosis, I flip that all in its head. So what we do is we do gut health because so many of us have gut dysfunction and we look at toxins very quickly. So what we're looking for is, are there foods you're eating that your body doesn't like? A, are there things you're exposed to, either things you're putting in your body through your food, your alcohol, your sugar, your artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, 
drinking from single-use plastic water bottles? Are you putting things on your body that are that are disrupting your system? Or are you, is there something around you? Maybe, do you live near a golf course or a highway or a industrial plant or a farm? Or did you just renovate your house and you're exposed to tons of chemicals? We're looking at what are the highest risks and then evaluating them and then treating them because we want to get those out of your body and into, you know, into the water. I don't really mean into the water supply, but out of your body and into the, the universe where it can be processed somewhere else. And, and so, because toxins, I mean, like you mentioned, we're, toxins is all around us. I mean, we, we can't avoid it. And, and why do, I mean, obviously, I mean, because I can have one person that is exposed to X amount of toxins and, and another person is the same, and then one gets cancer and one doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, how, how, do, how do people address that? Uh, you mean the emotional, why am I sick and my neighbor's not? Yeah, yes. And, and, and also, you know, in regards to your ability to deal with toxins. Uh, I don't understand your second question. I mean, I, let's talk first to the why are you sick and your neighbor's not. You're, yeah. you're, I call it the health hamburger. And if you're a vegetarian or vegan, it can be the health veggie burger. So the the top of the, bur- the burger, the bun, the top of it is your genetics and your epigenetics. You were born with your book of life. That's your genetics. And depending on what happened with your parents and grandparents and great grandparents, whether they were safe or moved or exposed to uh, Chernobyl, or they were in a world war or something happened, that might cause the the genes alongside the book of life to turn on or turn off. So you might be more likely or less likely to get disease based on what happened to someone 100 years ago. So some of that's out of our control. But then, and then the bottom part of the sandwich, the bottom bun is all of the toxic exposures we have, but the meat the or the, or the, the protein, the center of the sandwich is the stuff you have control over. So the top and bottom of your bun are like 10%. And then the other 90% is what do you do about it? How are you eating, sleeping, pooping, thinking, moving, connecting? Uh, what What's going on in your body? All of those are what you have control over. That's the meat, okay? So when you look at, sometimes it is out of your control. You do everything right and you still have something bad happen. And that's, I think there's a lot of writings in religion on that. You know, I, um, I, I grew up with the rabbi who didn't write the book, but his name was the same as the rabbi. Why do bad things happen to good people? He had the same name, Harold Kushner. It was so weird. So, so I don't know why bad things happen to good people, but I do know that once they happen, that's an opportunity to alter the future and to and to take a different tack on things. So uh, you had mentioned something else that I didn't quite understand the question on. So I wanted to address this and then we can go back to that other question. Yeah. Yeah. So because you have, you know, we're, we're talking about kind of the mental, but also you have. Yeah, you because know, people look at some people that they 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 eat and drink garbage and they're exposed to all these things, and yet they lived 105. And then you have somebody that is 30 that all of a sudden, you know, develop colon cancer or develop, you know, are are there certain components that people need to look at in regards to kind of seeing the risk factor and seeing, uh, I mean, because obviously we do have genetics, but there there's so many other factors at play. And and what what are some of those factors that you can think of? 
Right. So I would say when you're looking at what are my risks, how do how do I not only resolve what's going on, but prevent more from happening? Because that's what people really care about, right? Is but let's let's fix this so I can live long and live well. So it certainly your book of life is your book of life, but you can mitigate the risks if you carry one or two genes for MTHFR or vitamin D deficiency or COMT. There's a lot of genes that fall into detox and balance. And so if you know that you have those genes, so for example, I have the worst genetic picture. And in fact, Michael, I said to my my parents, we were at an event about a year ago, and I said to them, so happy you had me. Really very grateful, but you really shouldn't have because the combo of my parents together was a terrible genetic profile. So I have two copies for the MTHFR mutation. I have two copies for vitamin D deficiency. I have two copies for celiac. I have a couple of copies of various detox related gene mutations. And I don't have BRCA. I don't have uh, Alzheimer's risk on, on paper, at least. So there's upsides, but my genes are terrible. And people think of vitamin D as a vitamin. It's not. It's a hormone. And it's mitigating your gut health. It's mitigating your mood. It's mitigating your bone health. It has control over these things. So to live the first 40 years of my life with totally imbalanced, really left its its mark. So knowing what the challenge gives you the opportunity to guard against it. So for example, with MTHFR, you're anywhere from 30 to 90% impaired at your ability to methylate. Okay, what difference does that make? Well, if you can't methylate, you can't make your B vitamins active. And your B vitamins play critical roles in your liver's job at taking fat-soluble toxins and converting them via two phases out into phase three where you pee, poop, or sweat it out. But if you don't have the methylated factors, you don't go there because you don't have the ingredients to make the soup. So knowing that I have two copies of MTHFR, I always, 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 always take methylated B vitamins because they're ready to use. My body doesn't have to do anything because I'm probably at that like 30% methylation effectiveness where someone else is at maybe they're 50. It's it's not a perfect penetrance, meaning I might be 30%, someone else is 40% with the same genes, but ultimately we're not we're not as optimized as we want to be, so, but you can guard against that. And knowing what your genes are, you can guard against it. So I highly recommend for people that they do at least the basics. What's the MTHFR? What's the celiac? What's the APOE3 and 4? Do you have the Parkinson's, the BRCA, uh, vitamin D? 23andMe is actually fantastic fantastic for that because you can get the data, feed it into a couple of systems, and it will tell you what do you have. Because otherwise you get this massive data dump and it's very overwhelming. And I don't recommend that for people. And and once you know that, I mean, because that seems like such a foundational level to really understand where you're at, then we have kind of the, the epigenetic aspects where you can then control your genes. And that's a little bit where we're talking what we're talking about prior to, you know, in regards to you know controlling my exposure. And and uh, with that, then it's an understanding, you know, what is my exposure and how do I get rid of it, what I'm exposed to? So are there certain kind of kind of a guideline for people to follow in regards to how to clear out the toxins in my life and how to clear out the toxins inside of me. Yeah, it's great. This, I mean, this is where my sweet spot is. So the first thing I say to people is everybody wants to get rid of their toxins. Nobody, never, ever have I ever met someone who's like, oh, I don't care. You know, everyone says, oh, get rid of, get those out of me. It's very creepy. However, you can't, 
you, crawl, crawl, walk, run, right? You, you have to first make your body ready. Otherwise, you make yourself sicker. So what do I mean by that? The, the foundation of this pyramid is your gut health, your food, your sleep, your movement, your stress. And you can't move on to toxin removal until you've dealt with those. Because otherwise, you don't detox if you're super stressed. And you don't detox if you have dysfunctional gut. And you don't detox if your liver shut down. There's a lot of scenarios in which you won't detox. And when I say detox, I mean take that fat-soluble toxin that needs to become water-soluble and move it through your body and then pee, poop, or sweat it out. You won't do it. You'll shut the process down if you're too stressed, too sick, guts too dysfunctional. So the first step is fix the basics, right? And then evaluate, test, and remove the toxins themselves. So we look at heavy metals, that's mercury, arsenic, lead, cadmium. Those are the big ones. Then we look at mycotoxins. Mycotoxins are the toxins that mold puts out when it's in your body. That's super creepy. You don't want that in you. And it makes you sick, by the way. All of these make you really sick. And then there's the other category, which is all the other stuff. That's your uh, glyphosate, your herbicides, pesticides, insecticides, gasoline fume, flame retardants, thyrene, excuse me, toluene, styrene, phthalates, PFAS, all of those chemicals that we're exposed to throughout our day, week, month, they build up in us. So evaluating what's present so that we can target, okay, I actually had a patient who showed up in my practice at 31 and she had recurrent aggressive breast cancer. And I said to her, well, certainly you need to go down the process of, you know, functional medicine is not going to work if you necessarily have a mechanical issue. If you have a tumor, you probably need to get that surgically addressed. So we worked together while she went through the surgery and the chemo and the radiation, actually not in that order, surgery, radi- surgery, reconstruction, radiation, chemo. That was the order in which she had it. And I went pretty quickly to toxins with her. And what we found was she had the highest level of, of lead I have seen in a really long time. And she's from another country, and we started to talk about the ways in which she can be exposed. But it's also really important to remember that as a human, you get 50% of what your parent had, uh, your mother in particular, because when she's pregnant with any pregnancy, 50% of her body stores goes to the baby. And then when she nurses, and I highly recommend breastfeeding, but you also detox and give it to the baby. So it you can get toxic toxed up when you're just being born and and so and, and people are always so befuddled you know my patients yeah you know, i say well there's a huge amount of you know, like you mentioned lead for instance mm-hmm. uh, and they say well i mean how do i get lead i mean where i'm exposed to lead it's it's not like i'm eating lead or it's not like i mean so people can't really fathom you know how they're exposed to they think they're living in this kind of clean environment and they're not exposed to these toxins but they i mean they it's everywhere. Yeah, I say I think it's important to remember specifically for lead, there's still 10 million homes in the United States that have lead. So if you figure three people live in every one of those homes, there's still 30 million people being exposed to lead ongoingly. Okay, that's one. I mean, think of look at Flint, Michigan, right? They're, they're getting lead exposures. A, anyone who's been born to someone who had lead, you're getting lead. If you are born before 1970, I'll call it, let's think about it. The lead pipes, I think, were in the 1950s, 60s It came out. So say you were born in 1950. You got lead in your paint, lead in your pipes, and lead in your gasoline. 
the gasoline went away in 1975. The paint, the lead paint went away in 1978. But not all homes were uh, renovated in 1979, right? So, so people are still living in homes that were built before 1978, which had lead in the paint. As that home settles, the the joy the the corner so the wall to the ceiling the wall to the wall the wall to the floor it it grinds it settles and that grinding releases lead into the atmosphere and you breathe it absorb it eat it touch it you're getting lead okay then i have a patient who's a diyer she loves weekend warrior projects we happen to test her lead the week after she did a weekend warrior project and her lead was crazy high. And I was like, where did you get this from? Like, what's going on here? And and so we're sort of sleuthing it out. And I said to her, okay, do you live in an old home? Did you do a project on your home? She goes, oh yeah, it's so cool. Let me show you pictures. I just stripped the paint off of all of the, the door frames in the house. Well, those door frames had been painted for over a hundred years with layer on layer on layer of lead containing paint. So it's cool. Her house no longer has door frames with with lead in the door on the frame, but she absorbed a lot of it. So you can get lead randomly. Um, And I'll share with you, Michael, when I happened to have a lead exposure that caught the world's attention, good and bad, right? So we went on this amazing vacation to France and I came home. And the month after I came home, I gained almost 10 pounds, lost half the hair on my head and had a rash oh my eyelids right under my nose right under my lip my brain wasn't working i had brain fog i had terrible fatigue and i'm like what is going on i was 48 so i figured okay must be my thyroid cuz you know as you get through into perimenopause you get less resilient so it's definitely my thyroid i check it my thyroid's amazing i then was like well i'm 48 it must be my hormones you know everyone blames perimenopause for everything so i check my hormones hormones are great and then I'm like, okay, well, all disease starts in the gut. So we'll do a gut test. Super unpleasant, but you know, it's good data. My stool looked pretty good. My gut looked good. And which was surprising because as a celiac with all these chronic issues, I don't normally look good, right? I, I normally am the canary in the coal mine. So now I'm kind of stumped. And then I, I get this report that when Notre Dame burned, it released 500 tons of lead dust into the air. And the closer you were to Notre Dame, the more exposure you got, and the farther away, the less you got. And I spent a week walking around Notre Dame. We didn't go into Notre Dame because it had just burned, literally, the week before. But we spent a week slogging through the dust, which was really lead dust. And I came home and was sick. So you don't think about these things. You don't think about when a big building gets taken down that was from, you know, 100 years ago or even 80 years ago, that they're releasing lead dust into the air. And it's heavy, so it settles. Just as when the wildfires burn, they release mercury. The forests, the pine needle forests sequester mercury. So when they burn, the mercury comes back into the environment. It's heavy. It lands. Lands on us, lands on the earth, lands in the water. It lands. And then it gets recycled into whatever we're ingesting. So there's a lot of ways we're getting exposed. We just don't really think about it. No, and, and that that's why it's so important to assess and see where you're at and and do the appropriate testing to see what's going on. I mean, because yeah. you know, like like you mentioned, I mean, one, uh, you, you're you're thinking, well, I wasn't around, you know, when that happened, or I wasn't around, you know, when nine eleven happened, but but maybe you know your child or a child, you know, that is born in New York, uh, 
you know, since 9-11, you know, their parents may have been then exposed to the fallout, their parents. I mean, so kind of thinking back generationally, like you're saying, because mother is passing, you know, these type of toxins, you know, to their child. And then as a mother, if you've been exposed, or if you know that your parents been exposed and to, you know, to do that exploratory journey and see, you know, what, what is in me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So there's always something. And then, I think, Michael, it's very important to remember that maybe you have lead like I had, or maybe you had silver fillings, right? I had I had six huge silver fillings in my mouth. And those are 50% mercury. They never stop releasing mercury into your system ever. Okay. And when the dentist takes it out of you, you get a big mercury exposure. And then when the dentist throws it away, they can't just throw it in, you know, the biohazard. They have to throw it in special biohazard because it's considered toxic waste, not just biohazard. So it's very toxic and a ton of people have mercury fillings and they don't really think about that. But you're getting ongoingly exposed to mercury. But there's more. I feel like an ad now, but wait, there's more. So wait. <laughs> just wait. It's not just those things, okay? They they can't study what's the synergistic effect if you have lead and you have mercury, but then you also live near a power plant or you live near an industrial plant or you have a super stressful lifestyle and you've shut down your detox or maybe you just bought a new bed and there's a flame retardant in it or you get your nails done every week or you dye your hair every week. There's no there's no way to study the cumulative effect, but these toxins do act synergistically in the sense of they all they're all think of it like a funnel. They're all trying to get out through the same fat soluble phase one, phase two, pee, poop, or sweat liver activity. So your liver can only handle so much, and they're all funneling into needing to be removed. But your body can't deal with everything at once. It's just too overwhelming. So you're going to prioritize what's the what's the worst? Alcohol is the worst. Alcohol will kill you if you don't metabolize it. So you're going to prioritize alcohol over your lead, mercury, thallium, flame retardants. Glyphosate's actually water soluble, but it does need to go through that whole pathway anyway. So you're going to prioritize the most important scary thing, and you probably won't get to the other stuff. You're going to store it in your fat, your bones, your organ, your brain, because that's where they get stored. Now, when you kind of take a step back, you go, okay, dementia and autoimmune, I'm sorry, dementia, degenerative diseases on the rise, autoimmune diseases on the rise, osteoporosis is rampant, things that alter our ability to be healthy long-term, all the diseases are on the right, diabetes, type 1, type 2, type 1 is autoimmune, type 2 is is really, to me, toxin-related, cardiovascular disease. All of these are on the rise. Why? Well, except for the fact that we're more sedentary, we are universally getting more exposures to toxins. And the more we get exposed, the sicker we get. So I would posit that you don't get you don't get a disease because you've been around for a while. You get a disease because the longer you're around, the more toxins you're exposed to, and the more inflammatory and dysfunctional those act as in your body. And that's why you get sick. And then just because you removed your silver fillings 20 years ago doesn't mean that the mercury from them are out. You know, they're still there in the body. So they are still there in the body, actually. You can yeah. remove about 1% of what's in your body every day. You put it in your gut. However, you recycle 99% of what you put into your gut. 
and recycle it back into the body. So you're really only getting rid of 0.01% of what you what you have in your body every day. So it takes forever to get rid of it. So if, I, and, and that's assuming you're not exposed to other things that distract and override the system. Like drinking alcohol. <laughs> so exactly. I, so I, I want, you know, people and for, for people who want more information, I mean, your, your book, Dirty Girl, is, is, is awesome. I mean, you're, you're, I mean, how to detoxify and how to, you know, toxins were exposed to, you know, that that's such a huge resource. And I know that you had a gift also for uh, the people. And, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about that gift. I do. I think people really want to know, okay, how toxic am I? What can I do at home to figure out how toxic I am? So we put together a quiz that will tell you whether you're in the low, medium, or high toxic exposure category. We also have a non-toxic guide to healthy living, which is on on this gift. And we also have we have the chapter one of the book so that if you weren't sure you want to read the book, you can figure out, is it is it your style? Do we vibe together? So that's all at drwendy.com forward slash gift so that you can get started, right? The The only failure is to not be in the game. You're never going to be perfect. So just get in the game and don't give up. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Wendy. That this is this has been amazing. Thank you My so pleasure. much. Thanks, Thank Michael. <laughs> the information this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or treat any disease. If you'd like to know more about what my center offers, please visit thecarlfeldcenter.com. Please join us next week for another live consultation with a patient diagnosed with cancer on Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Feldt.